The Clarion Podcast is brought to you by uh, academiccomposition.com. Go there if you don't want to write your liberal arts papers. Because why would you? Nobody wants to. Even the liberal arts majors don't want to write their papers. They just want to graduate with their degree and then think that they're going to be lucky and score a six-figure government job. But that's not going to happen to them either. Anyway, go to academiccomposition.com and have Alex and his crack team of writing staff write your papers for you. If you want to become a writer, contact Alex as well. He pays by the page at a fair market wage. And he also has marketing positions. We just post ads up on Craigslist. Both jobs are incredibly boring. Both jobs are not going to be rewarding. Both jobs are rewarding only in the financial sense that they pay. And you could do them remotely, uh, even from a beach in Thailand. Uh, we have my Amazon affiliate program. If you shop online through Amazon, well, then why don't you go and give the captain some money? Does it cost you any more? So how, does that ha- how can I give the captain money? And it doesn't cost me any more. All you have to do is go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Look for the Amazon banner. It's to the right. It's in the right. Don't tell me it's not there. It's there. I just checked it. Click on that banner. Do all your shopping there. And I get a 6 to 7% commission and cut for sending the traffic to Amazon.com. Doesn't cost you a penny more. <clears throat> Rattlerstrap.com. Check out Rattlerstrap.com if you're looking for a durable belt made by an entrepreneur uh, made with power paracord. It's what uh, they use in uh, parachutes, the cord that attaches to parachutes. He he makes belts out of those. InvisibleHandFashion.com. Born out of frustration from the inability of idiotic co-workers and a large leftist shithole to understand basic logic, InvisibleHandFashion.com serves up cold hard facts in both snarky and subtle forms on books, not books, sorry, on clothes, shirts, uh, bags, coffee mugs, that type of thing. They're a merch account. And they have a lot of cool shirts with charts and data and economics. They will certainly start a conversation that's assuming people are smart enough to look at them long enough to figure out what the heck that shirt means. Steve Jerky. Go to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky if you're interested in getting some jerky. It's better than the average jerky, a lot better. Um, He's no longer selling it by the gallon. He invested some better equipment and now sells it in five-ounce packs. They sell for $10 a piece plus five bucks shipping. If you buy three or more, he will cover the shipping, that's facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky and businessbuyeradvantage.com. In order to get ahead and take advantage of tax laws and maximize your lifestyle, you need to be in business for yourself. It's faster, cheaper, easier, and less risky to buy an already successful business than it is to try and do a startup. Access tons of free information about how to go and buy and sell a business at businessbuyeradvantage.com. If you like what you see, you could go deeper by taking the Business Buyer Advantage online course. Use the discount code CLARY to get a special price. Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. Your host, Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. It is the Clary Podcast. It is finally sunny out. We had a storm where it decided to dump a foot and change of snow on us, and I had to shovel three times. Thankfully, my tenant shoveled once. That was very nice of him. 
and I had to dig my truck out. And it was otherwise just a reminder that there's no reason to live in Minnesota. And uh, now the sun is finally out, slowly melting the stuff away. We'll get another snowstorm in Wednesday. But then the old captain heads out to Las Vegas next Tuesday because I am not a freaking moron. Um, and that's it. That's the weather. Captain is tired. Captain is sad. Captain is sad. Don't know why. Just down for some reason. I woke up, did all my... Caught up. I caught up. I caught up on asshole consulting. I was going to go see my niece today. I should be happy. The sun is out. And I just can't kick it. There's something... Something off. Just maybe the tiringness. I was talking to a couple buddies of mine last night. We all went out. I sober kept. And I'm like, God dang. You know, like, I'm 43... And this is not why I'm down. I don't know why I'm down. That's what pisses me off. But I was observing last night uh, basically the thirds of my life, 15 years, 15 years, 15 years. The first 15 years seemed like it went on forever. <clears throat> like you had to be a kid. You had to go on. That, 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 that seems, even though I'm 43, the first 15 years seems like it accounted for 80% of my time and memory on this planet. The second 15 years, that was basically high school to to adulthood, real adult. I mean, that included college, high school, wandering in your 20s, and bam, you finally made it to your 30s. And then the past 13 years, which I'm going to round up to 15, that didn't even happen. It didn't even happen. Like, Monsters, Inc. just came out yesterday. How old is Monsters, Inc.? Let me take a look. When did Monsters, Inc. come out? Two thousand one. 17 years ago, I was still in my 20s, and why does it seem like yesterday? <clears throat> oh, my God. And the speed at which that went is going to be the exact same speed, probably faster. I'm going to be in my 60s by that time, or just shy of 60. Oh, I'll make it look good. Don't worry. I'll make it look like Dennis Magan. Or Magan. Don't worry. I'll, I'll, I'll make it look good. But I just... What the hell? It's just been on autopilot. Yeah, we had the financial crisis. Yeah, that was 10 years ago. So I was 32 or so. The Great Clary Crisis when I was 30. Managed to get through that. You wonder why I'm all strong and angry and everything. That's that's how it happened. And all of a sudden, poof, now I'm 43. Could have swore. Could have, I remember sitting at the Times Cafe in Minneapolis dancing. That was like two weeks ago. No, that was over 12 years ago. Now I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. I got no. I got no gimmick. I got no skit. I just feel tired, even though I got a lot of sleep. And uh, let's just, you know what? Let's just get to the news. Uh, for, no, not news. Hang on. Got an itinerary. Hang on. We got fan mail. It's been piling up. Haven't gotten through it. All right. Gary writes. I was a couple signatures away from making a big education-related mistake. I won't say what because you'd probably flip your desk and scream for fuck's sake. But one of your videos set me straight. Just wanted to say thanks for what you're doing. Gary. Well, thank you very much, Gary. I appreciate that. Glad to prevent you from wasting your life. And I'm glad that I, I presuming I cost some liberal arts college, if not a liberal arts program, about $100,000 worth of your money and time. I'm glad that I could help do my part to lay off more liberal arts professors or make them go adjunct and as per the article in The Guardian that I talked about a couple months ago, have them resort to prostitution or living in cars. I will get my vengeance on big education. Oh, will I? Hey, Kev, this is from a lieutenant. 
Hey, Captain, thanks for the great advice over the years. I was thinking about quitting the Air Force Academy when I found you. With your advice, I changed my worthless major to computer science and stayed in. Now I'm getting paid to live in Japan. I hike or travel nearly every week, and I'm enjoying life. Keep up the great work. A lieutenant, please don't read below. I won't. I'll put that over there. That'll go into the <clears throat> box of mementos. From, who's this from? From Chris. Hey, just want to say I love your videos on YouTube. I discovered you not too long ago. I'm a fellow Gen Xer who's dealing with a lot of things you talk about. Keep up the great work. That's from Chris. Thank you, Chris. From Julian. I wrote you last year about getting IT certified and leaving Chicago to move to Dallas. Today I passed my first IT certification, the A+. Next month I'm moving to Phoenix to be with my grandma. I just want to say thanks for advice. Oh, and it's a good thing you advised me against moving to Texas so soon considering everything that happened Later that year, Asshole Consulting Saves Lives from Julian. Thank you very much, Julian. That goes in the memento box. Oh, this is the long one. This is the long one. I will just interrupt and say before I go on to the long one. Um, this, I, I like, now look, don't don't send me fan mail or think. If you feel like it, go ahead. Don't feel like, you know, oh, Clary's down. Let me get it. Just, it does make me feel good to see that shit happening. Because what we got, one, two, three, four... Four people that we directed the right way, didn't lie, didn't didn't tell propaganda, didn't spare feelings, say, nah, you may you know, you're not. No, quit being a whiny little cunt. Let's go. Let's get on here now. And now it takes a while. It takes a while for the asshole consulting seed to grow and bear fruit. But after about a year or two, all of a sudden you look, oh hey, look at life. <clears throat> That's a lot better. And what's funny is it has nothing to do with me. It has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's just the simple, plain truth. Do you have the courage and the balls to look at the abyss of truth and say, oh, that's what it is? Okay, I guess we better start making decisions based on that. And then there's progress. Then there's happiness. Then we got people in Japan and Phoenix having a good old time. Making money. All right, I'm going to anonymize this. This is a lengthy one. Maybe you guys might want to go and get a... A drink. Dear Aaron, I get uncomfortable when a fan sends me a way too long personal letter and starts gushing how I changed their life, so I'll try and keep this short and non-gushing. This guy is also an author, by the way. Reading your book about IQs was a liberating event. A damn it, he's writing about the identical bullshit I've gone through over the past 60 years. Older gentleman, too. So here goes the story. Born in 1950, I grew up just outside New York City. After I've after the first standard IQ test in elementary school, I recall how a month or two later a couple of people came to my school and sitting with them for a couple hours playing with blocks, looking at pictures, making up stories about little puppet figures and such. It could not be until much later that I found out they were from Columbia University, which at the time had a lab school for genius kids. I had tested out with an IQ of 170 plus and they wanted me in that school. My parents refused, saying they wanted me to have a normal life. Oh, the parents of the normal life. You're so smart, you're so intelligent, you can do anything, but we're going to have, we're going to throw you into this prison in this jail with the commoners. Yeah, you're, you're special, you're awesome, you're amazing. That's why we're sending you to the public schools to deal with the lowest common denominator and the filth in this shit. Normal, life in a normal school, I was therefore fucked up for decades. Yeah, dude, it's amazing how, if your childhood is fucked up, how that haunts the living hell out of you. For decades to come. <clears throat> On the other hand, I found an old article from the 1950s about that lab school. It looked like a bit of a giant Skinner box with 
one-way mirrors so the experts could study us while we figured out translate speed travel and such. Maybe the Department of Defense or CIA was all behind it. Seriously, though, I wonder what happened to those kids and where they are now. Yeah, that'd be kind of interesting to see where they are now. <clears throat> Your book was like an autobiography for me, but one I would not have got the balls to write until now. Well, see, you have a profession. I'm, I'm going to keep them secret <clears throat> and anonymous because, you know, I like my fans to be employed. <laughs> I like you guys not to starve. Um, yeah, but I, I I had nothing else to lose. That, but that's basically is hey, what was the th- what was the secret to your success? How did you? It's like I I basically gave zero fucks. I hit ground zero. I hit bottom, just barrel bottom, and I just start saying fuck the world and fuck you and fuck that. And then all of a sudden, the world says you told us to go fuck ourselves. Oh, we'll, we'll give you money and and we like you now, just like women. Fuck off. Okay, maybe I will go out with you. Maybe a little bit more nuanced than that, but that's basically what it felt like. <clears throat> School was a ninth circle of hell. I even got expelled at one point. My parents, who a few short years later before I was told I was some sort of uber genius that needed to be studied in a lab school, were told by eighth grade I had some sort of mental disability. Ah, uh, teachers. Again. Teachers are the dumbest of the people in the professions. They are they are the dumbest profession. I'm sure there are some smart teachers. I know you know a smart teacher. I know all you people out there know this one smart teacher. Thank you. I, too, know a tall Asian. I do know that. Um, but, um, yeah, I love how if you're not as dumb as teachers, then you have a mental disability. If you're not a normie, you have a mental Yeah, that mental disability is called intelligence. You, you public school teachers ought to try. Oh, wait. Oh, wait, you can't. Kind of a thing. Turns out I was and am severely dyslexic. Really? Are you? Is it? Is that a thing? I got to trust you because you're older, wiser than me, and you're from a generation. Well, I give you more credit. I'll look up to you as an elder and a, a wiser. Um, I'm just wondering. It's like, okay, yeah, there is such a thing, but 98% of the people claiming they have it are faking it. To the bottom line. A bottom line. Wind up as frustrated high school... Uh, I won't say what. First step in liberation. Uh, okay, let's read To the bottom line, you wound up in a position. Uh, you ended up having a boss that had you tested for dyslexia, which opened the door a little way and encouraged you to keep trying through your career uh, in writing during your time off. You published your first novel. At the age of 32, awesome, a book which instantly leapt into obscurity, but nevertheless I became obsessed with being a success in that field. Incredible stories to perhaps one day share about the insane politics and stupidity of publishing at a national level. Well, that was, was that back in the pre-published? Yeah, because 32, that was 1982. Oh, yeah. Oh, the New York publishing houses were, wouldn't even use your script as toilet paper. Oh, yeah. No, that's, I'm glad. You should, you should, I hope you still got the script. You publish it now. Published 50 books since then, a long, often frustrating and enraging journey uh, where time after time I refused to accept the fuck-ups by publishers that were usually blamed on me and would then go out and write another until by sheer perseverance I finally hit the New York Times and Amazon bestseller. Awesome! Oh, sweet! I'd see, I don't want to identify you to keep you anonymous, but I wouldn't mind plugging your books if they're, the, if they, you know, they're that good. My recent series on the threat of EMP starting with one second after have all, all been bestsellers and heading into television series. Oh, that dude, this is great. 
All your comments about decades of struggle against stupidity to build a successful career were dead on. Wound up getting a PhD from a real school in a field with a specialization. I don't, again, I don't want to identify you because you, you didn't give me permission. If anything, an exercise in studying something just for the fun of it. And yeah, I'll confess, I was sick to death of schmucks with master's degree and transcultural autoeroticism trying to lord the degree over me and I could just reply casually can you address me as doctor or such and such and then watch them fluster as I was smilingly walking away great fun at weddings funerals bar mitzvahs and reunions also I had robe envy as a catholic kid and PhDs could parade around in cool robes yeah but that's that's like the college experience um Everybody looks at what they think they want, like fancy cars and the PhD robes. Or what do you wear the robes, what? During graduation ceremonies? It's like my tuxedo. I use it once every three years, maybe. Okay, to the bottom line, I admire how you have the balls to lay out the unvarnished truth regarding how high IQ people are treated and tortured, not just in this society, but any society throughout history, and how we are conditioned to never shout back and to somehow feel guilt if we demonstrate too much ability. Oh, no, I rub it in people's faces now. You know, of course, I'm independently employed, but... I, I don't care. I just, and, and I, I am getting my, I have about 35 years of life left where I could slowly but surely get my revenge on the normies and conformies. Um, not, not the innocent ones, but the people that were fucking around with me in the past. I did a lot of travel and work in communist countries some years back. And there indeed is the wreckage of entire nations where to demonstrate you're even a bit smarter than the people gets you killed off real quick. Recall the line from Orwell's 1984 where Winston Smith observes how a friend will be vaporized because he can think. I never read 1984. I'm living it. The liberation your book provided, my wife is well into the genius category as well. We both laughed our asses off after any of your comments about courtship, relationships, and marriage. Well, i got to revisit the book then. Um, <clears throat> after both of us enduring rotten marriages, we met four years ago, and yeah, she's super hot. 20 years younger! Bravo! Bravo! Well done. Well done indeed. Bravo. And on the hot crazy matrix is damn near a unicorn. Good for you, man. Reading your book, we were both at times shouting, oh my God, yes. I hope because you're reading the book. I just, <laughs> shame, shame. Conclusion, hate to say it, but the loyalty, royalty you made from the book is but a fraction of what you might have made from us with your $10,000 consulting and transformation program. Oh yeah, the life improvement program. Uh, what we well, you don't need it. How the, that's that's for like people really seriously fucked up. What we learn: start to openly say fuck it and fuck you to the stupids of the world. Learn to laugh about it as well as in order to keep our sanity. And finally, we live in a place that's nice. Have access to ten primo acres of land uh, with a view. And you are isolated. We're taking our ill-gotten gains from being super geniuses, plowing a road to the top. We'll build, uh, you're going to, you're going to build your dream house. We'll put it that way. Read more of your books and try to laugh rather than scream. Many thanks. And then, um, well, I don't know if you listen to my podcast, but if you do, let me know. You know what? I'll, I'll shoot you an email. See if I can plug your books. Cause I'm now I'm kind of curious. Well, I'm glad that we were able to help out there. Uh, what is it? Oh, there's a lot of news. Let's get to the news. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? This is kind of an article. It's more of a study, but it was very interesting. A reader sent, or a listener, somebody. A human sent this to me. I can guarantee you that a human sent this to me. 
talentworks.com, written by Kushal Chakrabarty. Chakrabarty. Title is The Science of the Job Search Part 3. 61% of entry-level jobs require three-plus years of experience. This is why when I am president, I'm going to drag out all hiring managers and HR people, and we're going to put bullets in one kneecap and say, you're going to, if it says entry-level, there's going to be zero years of working experience required. And we're going to send them back. And then I'll have Kushal uh, do this research again. If I find out that there's entry-level jobs that require any number of years' experience, we're going to grab those same people out. We're going to put a bullet in their other kneecap. And I'm going to say, what did I tell you? I know I know you're HR. I know you're not that smart. But I think you're capable of understanding the English language. And we're going to send them back. And then I think the problem would be solved. <clears throat> Uh, quote, junior marketing assistant, perfect for new grads. Requirement, three years of digital marketing experience, compensation $12 an hour. I want to punch the face of whatever HR bent came up with that job description. Perfect for new jobs and immediately contradicts herself. Requirements, three years of digital marketing experience. How do you know it was a woman? Really? Really? And then to an insult, $12 an hour, which you can make as a babysitter at 14 years old if you're reliable. The job search could feel like a big catch-22. How the hell am I supposed to get experience if I can't get a job to get experience? In fact, after analyzing a random sample of 95,363 jobs, we discovered that 61% of all full-time entry-level jobs require three-plus years of experience. Six, the majority require three-plus years of experience. And there's a very interesting chart here. And sure enough, uh, on average, you need about three-plus years' experience. What gives? Before we get into that, here are three other interesting things we found. Employers are driving experience inflation, or what we call progressive credentialism. As a result, the amount of experience required to get a job is increasing by 2.8% every year. That means your younger sister or brother will need four years of work experience just to get their first job. You want to play a losing game going after, just go to college. Go to college. And then apply for Fortune 500 or big companies you want to get into. I'm more and more thoroughly convinced that if you go in with attitude and you know lie on your resume and say, yeah, I got three years experience. They say, oh, so where'd you work before? I just completely lied because you lied. You said it was an entry-level position, and now you're requiring three years experience. And it's like, you lied first. I just figured that maybe this was a lying thing. You're going to stand a higher chance of getting a job that way uh, than it is like trying to impossibly get three years of entry-level experience so you can apply for an entry-level job. And you kids got to go have the college experience. That's bullshit, right? You don't have to play by the rules. Based on our analysis, you can successfully apply to jobs if you got plus or minus two years of the required experience. Five, three, uh, sorry, three, five, and eight are your magic numbers. After five years' experience, you are officially qualified for most mid-level jobs. I'd say after you go to college, if you were paying attention, had a little bit of uh, internship experience, you're you're qualified for most mid-level jobs. But that's that's not how it goes anyway. After eight plus years, you qualify for senior ones, and three plus for entry level. Obviously, let's dig in, shall we? How much experience do you need? Employers are a superstitious bunch. How many jobs have you seen asking for 13 years of work experience? The last are 7, 10, and 15 years, but rarely 11 through 14. You can see job postings clump up by employers' lucky numbers in the above graph. Actually, let me take a look at the graph. 3, <clears throat> 5, 7, 10. Yeah, 15. Um, 
But here's the rub. This isn't a cute gimmick. It's, it lets us pinpoint how much experience you'll officially need to qualify for different level jobs. So for an entry-level job, you'll need three years experience. The percent of jobs quali- that qualifies you for is 75%. Mid-level, five years, 77%. Senior level, eight years, 72%. Put another way, if you've got three-plus years of experience, you'll qualify for 75% of entry-level jobs. Three is the magic number here. Below three years of experience, you don't officially qualify for most entry-level jobs. Above three years of experience, you do. Officially is the operative, operative word here. Keep reading. <clears throat> Good companies gone bad. Can you be overqualified? After eight years of experience, you qualify for most senior-level jobs out there, but even for senior roles, employers rarely ask for more than 10 years' experience. You can see this in the graph above. And for our first post in this Science of the Job Search series, your hireability starts dropping by about 8% every year after 35. So hang on. How, how bad is my hireability? 42 minus 35 <clears throat> equals 8 times 8. I'm 65. I'm barely employable. Well, I knew that to begin with, but I'm 64% less employable today than I was back when I was 35. Assuming today's experience, folks graduated college around the age of 23. This is almost exactly 10 years of experience. It's no coincidence. Yeah, look at this. This is some good charts. Age matters a lot, sadly. Your chances of getting a job at age 20 aren't great. At 30, they're okay. After 40, they're getting re- they're getting bad again. Has anyone ever had a good experience working in corporate America? Have any of you? Like this this idea where you're that mid-40s guy with the peppered beard and the gray mane of hair and you're the young corporate executive, you're going to go get him? When, when is that like, you know, when was the guy ever supposed to be Ward Cleaver and be in such demand and have such stability? Oh, that's right, when we had 1950s type of styles and standards and and social mores, and the economy was growing at 5% a year, not this piddly small dick shit of 2% that you guys still all jerk off to with tweezers. It's illegal for companies to discriminate based on age, but ageism is very real. What gives? Experience inflation. In addition to discriminating against older workers, employers have also been driving experience inflation, which is especially dangerous for younger workers. For entry-level jobs, the amount of work experience required to get a job has has been steadily increasing at 2.8 per year. Anecdotal, we all know this is true. 30 years ago, our parents could get an amazing job with just a college degree. Right. These days, we don't even know if a college degree is worth it. No, it isn't. And a college degree on its own doesn't buy you much. Over the next five to ten years, recent graduates will start needing four years of work experience just to get their first job. So why not just get a job right out of high school and not bother with college? Oh, attend part-time. Sure, go Western Governors University online. Do it at your leisure. But I, 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 I have a hard time recommending anyone go to college now full-time. It's a wait and see. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to college a little bit. I'll get my prereqs online or at the local community college, but I'm going to go work as a mechanic. I'm going to go teach myself some skills on YouTube. I'm going to open up my own shop. Fuck this bullshit going four years to college and not have anything guaranteed at the end of it. Oh, that's right. That's for me and my superior listeners. For you commoners, for you you sheep, you need the college experience because that's all you have. And it really ultimately doesn't matter what you major in. You just want to piss away 50 to 80 grand of the taxpayer's money so you can have an experience. So professional sitting in my desk like I did for the past 13 years, K through 12. But this time it's different because it's college and I'm paying a lot of money for it. But 
Bernie Sanders will bail me out. That way I have my experience. Yay. So are educated and intelligent I are. Over the next five to ten years, we'll get into experience inflation in detail in next week's post. But for now, let's focus on what options you have. This is all very depressing. What can you do? Honestly, the job search is unfair. That's fundamentally why we started TalentWorks, but that's a different story for later. So what? Folks still need jobs. Hell, maybe you need a job. What can you do? Number four, don't list your graduation date if you're 35 plus. We've already briefly touched on fighting ageism. Hiring managers subconsciously guess your age based on your graduation date, how much work experience you have, etc. If you don't list your graduation date or only show your most recent two to three jobs, they can't tell how old you are. Oh, that's true. There we go. So lie. Number three, use freelance jobs to build your experience. One way to get past the job searching catch-22 is to play a different game. Instead of fighting with everyone else to get that first job, you can instead build your work experience and resume and portfolio by doing freelance jobs on the side. Not only will you get paid, you'll also have a far higher chance of getting your second job, everyone else's first job. In the future, especially when experience inflation means you need to get four-plus years of experience to get your first job, this might be the only way to break into your job. Or how about everybody in the United States? You know, how about all you independent, most educated? Now, it's up to Gen Z, all right? The millennials obviously fumbled the ball. Can we admit that the millennials just just shat the bed? Not only did they shat the bed, they managed to shat in their own mouths somehow spectacular with some amazing acrobatics in the bed. I've never seen a generation just completely flop like the millennials. But you Gen Zers, let's see, let's see, you know, you're told you got the exact same brainwashing, the exact same conditioning that the millennials got. Let's see if you guys are truly independent minded. Let's see what the spectacular uh, uh, mistake of a, of a lesson uh, that the millennials portrayed for you. Can, can you learn from their mistakes? I mean, the millennials are like, it's not even someone who put their hand on a stove that was hot. The millennials are not even jackass level amount. I mean, it's so so much more than that in terms of stupidity and, and, and just lack of common sense. The millennials are the ones who went and tried to pet a mama grizzly bear as they were standing in between the bear and her cubs. That's that's again. The the millennials are the type who said, I can fly and jumped off a cliff, giving everyone the finger behind them, fuck you, conservative Republican parent, da, 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 and then didn't go splat, but hit a bunch of rocks on the way down, and we're still alive and quivering to kind of maybe have it register. Like, oh my God, I'm not invincible. I'm not God. D- do you see the corpse of the millennial generation? Do you see just how they're so fucked up now? They're just so screwed. I mean, all of their talk, all oh, they knew everything because they were smart. And they, they, they were the, the star-studded cast of fame. They knew everything. They were going to live forever. Way old joke, you'll never get it. Are you Gen Zers going to learn from that? Because I would love nothing more than to see... Gen Z, I wrote an article about this. Like, if you wanted to boycott big education, you could. Everyone want to talk about boycotting big oil. Let's boycott big oil on one day. Are you are you an idiot? Oh, yeah, you are, because you're leftists that came up with it. But if, oh, I'm sorry, it was boycott social media. But if you guys wanted to boycott big education, you could do the same thing, too. What if Gen Z just said, we're not going to college? 
it's too expensive. You guys don't don't uh, 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 give us the education we need. You make us take all these worthless classes. If Gen Z just simply boycotted college, heck, you could do it for one semester. These colleges have so much overhead and so much expenses. Now, a lot of them will have endowments that they can last, you know, a semester or two, maybe even a couple of years. But my God, a lot of these liberal arts colleges, a lot of these, you, you want you want to protest? You want to stick it to the man? You want to be the rebels that your teachers and parents and the television and the media all told you you were? Why don't you boycott big education? Why doesn't the entire Generation Z, these senior graduating years, why don't you all just not go to college next year? Why don't you stay at home and work why don't you find jobs? Why don't you go on YouTube? Why don't you all go major at, at Western Governors University? Get your prereqs out of the way there. You don't even have to postpone your college education. Everybody go register ASU Online, Western Governors University, and get yourself your prereqs. Or are you going to be just as stupid and dumb and easily programmable as the millennials thinking you've got to get your college experience? Never mind. I know this is the way it's going to go. I know. The Gen Zers are going to become the millennials. They're going to keep propagating up the education bubble, even though there's huge pressures for it to go down. Slowly, about 5% a generation, I think, are learning from the previous. Wow, college education. But it's going to be what? By the time I'm dead, by the time I'm dying, what's going to be an entry-level job? You're going to need eight years experience to get an entry-level position? Everyone's going to have to have master's and doctorates? It's one of two things that's going to have to end. Either the government intervenes, which I don't think Trump is going to, I don't know what he's doing. I've thought about writing an open letter, but that would be a waste of time. It could, we could solve the problem. We could, we could bring tuition costs down way cheap. We can make things a lot easier for the younger generations. But we don't want to because, well, that's the college experience and no one has a ball in the, balls in the Republican Party. And then the other way is that all of a sudden Gen Z wakes the fuck up and the Gen X parents wake them the fuck up, wake up the fuck themselves too. Like, oh yeah, you know, that kind of wasn't worth it back in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah, maybe it wasn't worth it. You do whatever you... And then I look, and then I look at Gen Z, or Gen X parents, I'm like, oh no, you're, you ain't got balls. You won't even spank your kid. You won't, even, you won't even tell your kid. Oh, wait, what do you tell your kid? We don't do that at this house. Oh, well, that's going to fucking bring them up right. Tell them we don't do it at that house. But the next house are outside. Yeah, they're going to go shit. They're going to go piss on somebody's car. They're going to go run around and throw rocks. Yeah, that's great. Anyway, we'll be condemned to where you need eight years experience. Future better, ba ba da ba da ba first job this might be the only way to break into your job number two apply for jobs within plus or two minus years experience of your experience the number one lesson you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take from what we see if you're within plus or minus two years of required experience hiring managers will often consider you close enough so be flexible with jobs you go after you never know if something special in your application will catch the hiring manager's eye what's the harm in applying well you're wasting time that's that's basically what the biggest thing was, is wasting hours of my day that I could have just been working. Number one, identify actual entry-level jobs near you. Let's be honest, looking for jobs is a pain, is a fucking pain in the ass. That's what they wrote. 
Out of the 95,363 jobs we analyzed, 52% were supposedly entry-level based on what the employer said. Of those, my hypothetical job searcher, a market assistant in L.A., say, was only interested in 3%, 1,286. Of those 1,286 supposedly entry-level marketing assistant and other jobs, I found 240 actual entry-level marketing assistants. So that's what? That's about 20%. In real life, folks need to apply to 150 to 250 jobs to get a job. So needing to review 1,286 job postings is actually pretty representative. Afterwards, you'd still have to apply for the final 240 jobs, of course. And then he's got a pretty interesting chart here that I'm not going to look into. It's painful work, but somebody's got to do it. If you've got the patience and the time and the stubbornness, rock on. If you don't, you can pay us $10 to do it and other stuff for you. Interesting. Will they apply for jobs for you? Oh, there you go. Talentworks. Talent.works. I'd go there. I should go grab my old resume and upload it, see what they can find. <laughs> um, yeah, check this site out. Talent.works. It's a little bit interesting. Summary. Getting a job has always been hard, but it's getting quantifiably harder. These days, you need to have three years experience officially to get the average entry level job it's a full-on catch-22 no you can't have a job why because you don't have a job <laughs> with the right insights and tools you could break the catch-22 and get the job you deserve to recap one identify actual entry-level jobs near you with a bit of patience and a lot of stubbornness you can identify the five percent of jobs that actually match your needs Two, apply for jobs within plus or minus two years of your experience. If you're within plus or minus two years of required experience, hiring managers will often consider you close enough. Three, use freelance jobs to build your experience. Go gorilla. Not only will you get paid, you'll also have far higher chances of getting your second job. I'd almost say that the future is freelance. I, I cannot, I just don't see, at least with freelance, you're going to get a lot closer to achieving what your, your potential is. Um, Going and working for, you know, you can have multiple clients. You can take on as many contracts as you want. Usually you can work from home. But, yeah, once you go into that cube farm, it's over. Four, don't list your graduation date if you're over 35. Ageism is real, and if you don't list your graduation date or only show your most recent two to three jobs, hiring managers can't tell how old you are. We've already added a filter for actual entry-level jobs on our application assistant. If you're looking for an entry-level job, sign up for application assistant and set entry-level during setup. We'll only look for actual entry-level jobs for you. There you go. All right. Who is this guy? Kushal. Look at him, young, good-looking dude there. Wow, he's traveled 400,000 miles. He's got a German shepherd. Maybe I'll contact this guy and say, hey, what is exactly is this site all about? All right. What else? we? Got? Uh, you know what? Let's do some sponsors. Get this out of the way. Um, the Clary Podcast is also sponsored by kingscastle.com. A king's castle is a place for men who want to leave a legacy and advance Western civilization. With daily articles by various authors, lively commenters who have both serious discussion and fun-loving jokes, a forum for serious discussions, and even the occasional lulzy troll, you'll want to make a King's Castle a daily visit or add it to your RSS feed. Whether you're a father, someone who wants to become one, or just a masculine man looking for more than just banging women, a King's Castle is the next step in Manosphere sites that will encourage you to become a man with long-term purpose. Stop by kingscastle.com today. That's akingscastle.com. Go there today xyz.net.au if you are looking for a red pill website that is all things australian check out xyz or as they say it xyz.net.au they got articles they got things they got stuff 
And they all do it. They write in an Australian accent. So you girls can all be a, a flutter. You can have the VTs because they write with an Australian accent. So if you read my, my sites, you know, it's my annoying voice. But, oh, you go, hang on, let's go check out Adam Piggott. Let's go check him out. And we'll read in the Australian ad, pushing rubber downhill. Bits and septics. Your tattoos are horrible. That sounds like a pretty good <clears throat> article. Arita asks for my opinion on tattoos. Tattoos, what do you think of them? Is this an acceptable feature for modern man? In a strange coincidence, I've been contemplating a post on this topic only this week. Then I forgot about it. But how Sarah Tip, how Sarah Tippett, fucking God, Sarah, Sarah, Surreptitious. Surreptitious chance has pushed it screaming to the fore for your benefit. Let's begin with the easy part of the question. Tattoos on chicks. Tattoos on hot chicks. And he spelled it hot. Hot chicks are like shit smeared over an old master's canvas in a real art gallery. The analog... Oh, here comes a kangaroo. The, real, the analogy is, however, not perfect because they can wipe off the shit and clean it up. I've never seen a tattoo on a girl that looks attractive, no matter how hot, no matter how attractive the girl in question is. They don't say is, is. One of my friends is a tattoo fan on girls. It takes all sorts, and he regularly posts photos on Facebook of hot checks with tattoos. They are all, each and every one of them, spoiled goods. A young hot chick with tattoos looks hot because of youth and beauty, not her tattoos. But tattoos have a recent benefit since they became fashionable of helping the modern man easily identify a woman who is prone to making poor choices. They are called uh, trap stamps for a reason, sweeties. Thus, as much as I deplore tattoos on women, I also am thank thankful for them for providing such an important service. Hard enough to read regular English, and you got to read Australian. All right, so check out Adam Pushing Rubber Downhill. Come um. <clears throat> mtfunow.com oh mtfunow.com when we started our brand we just wanted to sell cool t-shirts and hoodies but the brand quickly became something more than just another apparel brand it became a symbol for people who were fed up with the direction our country is going mtfu is about taking responsibility for your decisions and actions mtfu is about standing up for what you believe in despite what other people think mtfu is being the person you were meant to be instead of what other people want you to be it has nothing to do with gender, race, or economics. It has to do with living your life to your potential and helping others around you do the same. Lifting each other up instead of tearing each other down. We promise to do our part, but we'll need your help to change the world. Please help us by joining the MTFU revolution at mtfunow.com. That stands for manthefuckupnow.com. Um, we got my books. Do you like my books? Check them out at amazon.com. All right, here are the books. Reconnaissance Man. I gotta give a shout out to Dennis uh, Magen. Um, he, you can follow him, PD Magen, Magen. God damn it, I forgot how it is. Nope, that's not it. Uh, let's try it again. Nope, that's not it. All right, let's just go to the Twitters. Always got to do this. Always got to do this. Uh, 
He retweeted me. Mangan. M-A-N-G-A-N. Dennis Mangan. Um, you guys got to check him out on Twitter. I think that's his most common one. He's, he writes a couple books. Uh, they're all about health and working out. And uh, he is his own best marketer. Because if you look at him, he's 63 and he could kick any 20-year-old's ass. This guy is working out regularly. He's in great shape. And I want to give a, a thank you to him. <clears throat> we got to be able to find his books. Because he retweeted my book on Recon... No, not Reconnaissance, man. Poor Richard's Retirement. And um, my book sales went through the roof. And what is his books? Yeah, Muscle Up. Here it is. Take a look at his... Dumping Iron, How to Ditch This Secret Killer and Reclaim Your Health. Best Supplements for Men. Stop the Clock. Muscle Up. Ten Reasons You're Fat. Um... Smash Chronic Fatigue, Best Supplements for Men's Health, Strength, and Vitality. That's $732? Why is that $732? What in hell's name? Oh, it's you. Someone's trying to make a lot of money on it. Anyway, check him out. Um, I put his books up there along with uh, uh, The Way of Men, Bachelor Pad, Dead Bat in Paraguay, um, all the other standards. Uh, anyway, so reconnaissance man, black man's got out of poverty, bachelor pad economics, worthless. Enjoy the client, curse of the high IQ, poor riches retirement. They're all available online, online, paperback, Kindle, and audio. If you've already bought them, please be kind enough to do a review. I want to get some of my books up to 200 reviews. So if you have done that, um, that that would help. You know, 200 reviews, that's the, a mark that'll trigger, I'm sure, some algorithm. And, oh, my God, it's 200 reviews. This is real popular. So if you guys have read it but you haven't written a review, please do. It would be a favor to me. <clears throat> I can offer you nothing in return. Uh, we also have other people's books, notably Adam Pickett's books, Run, Guts, Pull, Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. Pushing Rubber Downhill, his flagship book about how he went from being a dopey, pathetic, sad, sappy, beta cuck, to a gentleman adventurer that he is today. Is. Uh, is to die. Uh, check out his website, pushingrubberdownhill.com. Um, and, yeah, that's about it. He's got a podcast, too. Him and the Great One do the Greasy Pole. They got two podcasts, respectively their own. There's the Great One at Cynical Libertarians, uh, sinlibsoch.com. Pushing Rubber Downhill is Adam's site, and he has his podcast by the same name. And then they do a podcast together called The Greasy Pull, of which I think the third issue is coming out. I enjoy that one. That's that's uh, quickly becoming my favorite podcast because I like the interaction they have with one another <clears throat> and the ball busting that occurs. Uh, then we have A Personal Liberty, The Truth of Minor Vehicle Infractions. If you guys are of the legal mindset, you want to look at a good, good argument, a good legal case about how basically tickets are illegal – and requiring that you have a driver's license is also illegal, I would check out reading uh, of Personal Liberty, The Truth of Minor Vehicle Infractions. That's available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon.com. Positive Masculinity by Rolo Tomasi. You guys all know him over at TheRationalMail.com. I did an interview with him, Donovan Sharp, Rob Says, and Rich Cooper over on Rich Cooper's uh, channel, Entrepreneurs in Cars. The, the title was called The Red Man Group. I think it was a pun on the Blue Man Group, uh, but we, we discussed things and stuff. You could tune into that. We have Asshole Consulting, and not just Asshole Consulting, where if you got questions, I got answers as long as you got money. 
Uh, but we've got the life improvement plan that my uh, reader uh, earlier before had mentioned. And again, I don't know. They, they wouldn't need it. But if you are a true loser, or there's some that you have in your life that you want to get rid of, you're overweight, you don't have a driver's license, it could just be one of those deals, look at the life improvement plan. Go to assholeconsulting.com, click on LIP, a little tab that says LIP, life improvement plan. And it basically works like this. For every major problem you got, you're going to give me $2,000. Until you solve it, you don't get any of your money back. Right? So if you don't have your driver's license, you give me $2,000. And when you get your driver's license, I give you $1,000 back. And you say, what did it cost? It cost you $1,000 to get your driver's license. And you're now not that much of a loser anymore. You don't have a job? Give me $2,000. Or give me, have your parents give me $2,000 because you don't have $2,000. Once you get a job, I don't care what it is, I give you $1,000 back. You have the incentive. I don't do this encouraging, touchy-feely, you can do it, let's talk about you know, behavioral theory and co- what did Freud say? No, give me your fucking money, and if you'd like some of it back, well, then you better fucking improve. You'd like to lose 50 pounds, give me $2,000. When you lose 50, uh, 50 pounds, I'll give you $1,000 back. Oh, and there's a time limit. <clears throat> Depending on your, your goal, there's a time limit. So I am betting against you. You are betting against yourself. You're betting on yourself. And the financial incentive should be strong enough to go, like, God dang, I want that thousand bucks back. I better start applying for jobs. Because let's face it, I don't, know, I don't know anyone where therapy actually worked for them. <laughs> I don't know where it worked. I've never heard of one instance. Oh, yeah, I talked to my therapist for those 15 years, and I finally got my act together and got a job after 15 years. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Uh, if you like the Clary Podcast archives, you can get that on a thumb drive. It's 35 bucks. I'll put it in the mail for you. That way you don't have to download them individually. Plus, the first 75 episodes of the podcast are not on SoundCloud. I had to switch. So if you like those archives, I can send you. Hey, look, free thumb drive. And there you go. I also will throw in a picture of a scantily clad model, uh, Cindy Moran, who posed for Captain's Quarterly, which is available on Amazon.com. Give you an added bonus there. If you'd like to advertise on the podcast you made, it's $50 a month, 3,000 listeners weekly. That also gets you a plug on, uh, oh, shit, I got to do all that other stuff. Banner ads. Banner ads. Okay, banner ads. Because the work never ends. Never freaking ends. Uh, but for 50 bucks a month, and you can only, you can advertise one month. I don't do, we got to advertise six months with us. No, I'm not, I'm not a radio. I'm actually profitable. <laughs> uh, you can advertise on the podcast. Uh, we have Elkin CPA. It's his last day. It's his last day. He'll be looking to take new clients, so I guess we can start advertising for him again. ElkinCPA.com. Contact. The resident red pill, Manosphere's CPA, Chad Elkins at ElkinCPA.com. If you need financial advice, uh, more like business consulting, you need um, tax advice, you want to set up a 401k, you want to set up an S-Corp, you want to do whatever it is, and you need the guidance of a CPA, go contact Chad at ElkinCPA.com. International Playboy, he's been getting the girly girls, it turns out. He's doing all right. He's doing all right. Couple chicky babes throwing themselves at because they, they, they knew he was too busy. And once a man's off the market, for whatever reason, in his case, it's tax season. Then they come sniffing out. Then they want him. Then they go searching for the men. But don't worry. On the 18th, when he's like finally done and partying, the girls, oh, he's back, and they'll run away. 
because <clears throat> that's how it goes. Uh, conservativebrew.com. Check them out if you want to get non-communist, non-socialist coffee. For, and then we got the League of Extraordinary Podcasters. 405media.com. Financial Survival Network with Carrie Lutz. Conto Talk with our good friend Silvio Conto down in Dallas. Check him out on blogtalkradio.com. O'Shea Jackson. You can find him on youtube.com. Jim Fear. JimFear138.blogspot.com. A lot of depressing, sad, nerdy, geeky podcasts going on there. TJ Martinell, tjmartinell.com. He is your Cascadian bachelor living up in the mountains in the woods in his cabin with a wood-burning stove where he writes and is an author. And he occasionally comes to town to get coffee, a beer, and maybe flirt with the local ladies. Small-scale life. If you're interested in gardening and hydroponics and urban gardening, check out Small-Scale Life. It's very quiet. It's very meditative. It's very calm. Not as energetic as I like it to be, but that's different strokes for different folks. World-Class Bullshitters, that is is also rapidly becoming one of my favorite podcasts. It's on YouTube. And also, if you guys are looking to advertise, uh, Jeff, he's the guy that runs. He's the main guy, but there's uh, six of them all together. Uh, it's predominantly geekery and comic books and with a specialization in Star Wars and the politics therein. Uh which I find good and interesting because I don't want to deal with politics anymore. But what I really like about these guys is Jeff is an entrepreneur. I emailed him. I said, hey, I'd like to advertise on your show. He's like, cool. How much? I said, oh, how about 75 bucks a month? He's like, all right. Give me a script and a link. No questions, none of that. Just boom. The way it should be. So if you're looking to advertise, why don't you contact Jeff over at World Class Bullshitters? I don't know the email. I don't have it handy. Um... You can follow them on Twitter, but just look up World Class Bullshitters. They got a Patreon and all that. Tell them I sent you, though, all right? Because these guys, they're, I don't think one of them's over 30, but these guys got potential. They got way more subscribers and listeners than I do on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, they got a darn good Patreon. Uh, and they have they have this asset. It is a good asset, and that's their, their audience and loyal listeners and followers. Uh, so they could definitely monetize. So tell them, like, hey, yeah, Aaron sent me Captain Capitalism. You know, he said good things. Talk with an Italian accent, make him wonder, oh, the mafia about to advertise on world-class bullshitters. Who knows? Entrepreneurs in Cars, a good friend, Rich Cooper. Check him out. And then Michael Kingswood, he has his own podcast at podcast.michaelkingswood.com slash RSS. He is all things science fiction authory and righty. And as I like to plug him, he is the only non-communist science fiction writer that is Michael Kingswood, if you're interested in science fiction. He has some readings. He does some short stories and, and all that, so you can tune into his site there. We got the safety doc, Dr. David Perodin, at safetyphd.com. Check out his podcast. This is more for you uh, that have children. You want your children to be safe. And that is about it. All right. We got, we got more news. Now, listen, man. I like the news. You guys like the news? Okay, so... Um, there was an article out a couple days ago, week ago, where it said a third of the millennials think the earth is flat. And so sciencealert.com, I was going to read that one, but then sciencealert came up and this is going to make a secondary point. It says, no, one third of millennials don't actually think earth is flat. Here's what the statistics really showed. Now you think Signey Dean, the author of this, wow, he probably, he, he exposed them. He got them good. And it's like, no, no, this is this is not a good sign. And and yet 
again, you millennials do not disappoint with yet providing another instance where you guys are by far the, the worst generation Americans have ever seen. Given the internet, some weird statistics on millennials that's going to have a field day with it, like this latest one, a third of millennials believe the earth is flat, except it's not, and they don't. Here's what happened. In February, the online polling company YouGov conducted a survey on American beliefs about our planet's shape. Do you believe that the world is round or flat? The 8,215 participants were asked and given a small range of answers to choose from. Have always believed the world is round? I always thought the world is round, but more recently I'm a skeptic, have doubts. I always thought the world is flat, but more recently I'm skeptical, have doubts. I've always believed the world is flat. And the final category, other not sure. The results weighted to be representative of the U.S. population revealed that 2% of American adults are firmly convinced Earth is as flat as a pancake. Meanwhile, 84% have always believed the world is round. So far, so good. For further insights, the results are also broken up by age group. This is where young millennials got an unexpected bashing. Oh, no. Oh, no. You guys could expect bashing until you uh, all stop living at home and you pay your own way and you stop asking us to bail you out of your stupid student loan decisions. You're going to get bashing. As per the results, only 66% of the 18 to 24-year-olds are firmly convinced of our planet's spherical shape. But that th- Now, here's, here's where Dean comes in and helps us understand this. See, I thought that's pretty bad right there. Two-thirds are firmly convinced of our planet's spherical shape. Only two-thirds. So here's, here's the thing. A third either believe it's flat or don't know, and that's shocking. That's appalling. But he's going to save the millennials here because we didn't, we, oh, they see there's a technicality. But that doesn't automatically mean the other third thinks it's flat. Here's the actual breakdown of the data by age group. So here it is, the totals for the millennials. 66% believe that the world has always been round, right? compared with 94% of 55 and up. I always thought the world is round, but more recently I'm skeptical and have doubts. 9%. 9% of almost 10% of them have doubts about the world being round. Then there's this is even worse. I always thought the world is flat, but more recently I'm skeptical and have doubts. So 5%. That was 1 in 20 millennials thought the world was flat, but now they're not too sure. Then finally, I have always believed the world is flat, 4%. And then the big one is not sure, 16%. What do you mean you're not sure? What? <laughs> and when you add up these, what, one, two, three, four categories of idiots, yeah, it's a third. A third of you are fucking retards. A third of you are Mars. No matter what, oh, hey, they didn't say they believe the world, but yeah, yeah, you know what? But it's about the same. It's about the same. All right, that's that one. I got to have a Hang on. Here we go from a reader. BBC. I was a teacher for 17 years, but I couldn't read or write. John Cochran grew up in New Mexico in the U.S. during the 1940s and 50s. One of six siblings, he graduated from high school, went on to university, became a teacher in the 1960s. A job he held for 17 years, but he explains here he hid an extraordinary secret. A secret. When I was a child, I was told by my parents that I was a winner. And for the first six years of my life, I believed what my parents had told me. Ah, first mistake. I was late in talking, but I went off to school with high hopes of learning to read like my sisters. And for the first year, things were fine because there weren't many demands on us other than standing in the right line, sitting down, keeping our mouths shut, and going to the bathroom on time. And then in the second grade, we were supposed to learn to read. But for me, it was like opening a Chinese newspaper and looking at it. 
I didn't understand what those lines were. And as a child of six, seven, eight years old, I don't know how to articulate the problem. Hey, you know what? That was everybody. <clears throat> You're not special. That is that is what happens uh, to every little six and seven year old. Like, I, I can't understand that one. That's the idea of learning to read. I remember praying at night saying, please, Lord, let me know how to read tomorrow when I get up. Yeah, because you're doing the lazy man's way out. That's what it is, just you being lazy. Sometimes I'd even turn on the light and get a book and look to see if I got a miracle, but I didn't get that miracle. At school, I ended up being in the dumb row with a bunch of other lazy kids. Let's say lazy. who are having a hard time learning to read. I didn't know how I got there. I didn't know how to get out, and I certainly didn't know what question to ask. The teacher didn't call it dumb row. There wasn't any cruelty or anything, but the kids called it dumb row. And when you're in that dumb row, you start thinking you're dumb. No, you're just lazy. At teacher conferences, my teacher told my parents, he's a smart boy, he'll get it, and they moved me on to the third grade. He's a smart boy, he'll get it, he'll move him on to the fourth grade. He's a smart boy, he'll get it, and they move him on to the fifth grade. Teachers. But I wasn't getting it. By the time I got to the fifth grade, I basically given up on myself in terms of reading. I got up every day, got dressed, went to school, and was going to war. I hated the classroom. I was uh, in a hostile environment, and I had to find a way to survive. By the seventh grade, I was sitting in the principal's office most of the day. I was in fights. I was defiant. I was a clown. I was a disruptor. I got expelled from school. But that behavior wasn't who I felt inside. It wasn't who I wanted to be. I wanted to be somebody else. I had a desire to succeed. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't want to take the time to learn to read. How much you bet? I bet you you read now. I bet you you read now. I wanted to be a good student. No, you didn't. If you were going to be a good student, you would have been a good student. But I just couldn't do it. By the time I got into the eighth grade, I got tired of embarrassing myself and my family. I decided I was going to behave myself now. If you behave yourself in high school, you find your way through the system. I was going to be a teacher's pet and do everything necessary to pass that system. I wanted to be an athlete. I had athletic skills and I had math skills. I could count money and make change before I went to school and I learned the timetables. I had social skills too. Those aren't a thing. I ran around with college kids. I dated the valedictorian, the student with the highest grades who gives the speech at the graduating ceremony. I was the homecoming king. Good for you. You excelled in a fake and fabricated environment. I had people, mostly girls, do my homework for me. I could write my name, and there were some words I could remember, but I couldn't write a sentence. I was in high school and reading at the second or third grade level, and I never told anybody I couldn't read. When I was taking a test, I could read someone else's paper, blah, 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 blah. How, oh, my God. Look how long this is. Look at how long this is. Okay. Okay. All right, BBC. I could swim across the Atlantic to visit your corporate offices before I read this. I don't care. All right, I'm going to go see my niece. Enough of this crap. Enough of this. Um, if you're looking to buy gold, go to mngoldbuyer.com. Call Mike at 763-657-7843. Check out my other books, Captain Capitalism, Top Shelf, and Captain Capitalism Reserve. Both of those available on paperback and Kindle on Amazon. They are the best of my blog posts. So if you like reading my blog but you just don't want to sift through all the different posts, not all of which are great pieces, there's some of them just links, you can buy those books, save you the time. And uh, that's it. That's I'm I'm done. I gotta get going. I'll see you guys later before rush hour starts. Toodles. <laughs>